You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 308. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this podcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra presence to your everyday. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Today's episode is brought to you by FreshBooks. FreshBooks is bookkeeping software that I have loved using since 2012 for my companies, and now I have multiple, and it's so easy to sync all of the multiple companies with the different teams, bookkeepers, accountants, you name it. It is just so simple, even as the company has grown in complexity. FreshBooks has continued to keep it simple for me so I can keep doing my bookkeeping without hating that aspect of the job, because that is something that I normally would never want to be dealing with. But because I use FreshBooks, I really don't mind bookkeeping or dealing with those sorts of things at all. If you want to try it for 30 days for your own company and see if you love it as much as I do, head over to freshbooks.com slash lively. That's going to give you that free 30-day trial. And then in the how did you hear about us section, just put in the name Jess Lively or The Lively Show so they know you found it from the show. Now let's move on, guys. I am here. You may hear a little like weird wah, wah, wah behind me. (laughs) I'm in a new Airbnb in Sydney, and there is a bird that is joining me this morning on this introduction for you. So please try to drown her out. There's also a train station that's right next to the Airbnb as well, which I did not realize before coming here. So I've got either a train on one side of the house that you could listen to or a bird on the other. So Anyways, that explains the little voice that may be joining me in the introduction. But yeah, like I just said, I am here back in Sydney. I was recently in Hawaii for a few weeks doing some inner reflection and just enjoying warm weather and then decided, hey, I'm only three hours time zone wise. It's a 21 hour difference between Sydney and Hawaii, which is actually only three hours off really when you think about it, just almost a day apart. But I was like, you know, it's a it's a 10 hour flight. I'm pretty close. Coming from Detroit, it's like a 24 to 28-hour flight. I'm almost there, basically, right? So here I am enjoying the warm weather and basically pretending I still live down here in a way or, you know, and sort of, you know, just by bouncing around some different beautiful Airbnbs and hotels for the next few weeks to just enjoy the sunshine, the weather, and get ready for what's coming next, whatever that might be later this year up in Detroit as well. So this episode is our final one for our season one of the TLS TV. Thank you guys so much if you've joined us through the podcast, continuing to listen to the audio version, or if you've gone over to YouTube. Today's episode, by the way, if you wanna watch it versus listen, you could do the same by going over to youtube.com slash the lively show. So you can find it there, start watching the show if you're interested, or as always, you can listen here in audio, but this is the final episode that we recorded in our first day of taping. This one is really fun. This came through someone in the early days of season five who was anonymous and was basically channeling an aspect of, you know, more than just her inner voice. Let's just say that. And I ended up having the wonderful gift of getting to have dinner with her after the initial client session in person where she lived because I happened to be traveling to that city. And while we were having dinner, her inner voice or the, I wouldn't call it her inner voice. It was beyond just her solo inner voice, but the aspect that she was channeling and tuning into, which was so useful, wonderful, funny, smart. It was like, it was the closest I've ever had to ever speaking to someone that had the level of connection like Abraham Hicks. She, in the dinner, all of a sudden started tuning in and the voice coming through her told me to have people do inner voice group work. 
So have people in groups of five or six work together and create inner voice dialogues as a group. She said that the the voice coming through her said, you know, they would create, they'd finish each other's sentences, they'd create different poems, like all sorts of different fun creative aspects would emerge as they combined their inner voices together. So I did this at Work and Worth in Detroit a few weeks ago, or no, several months ago at this point. And it was a huge experiment. I was truly just listening to the inner voice directions that I had received from this person's inner voice or the voice coming through her. And it was incredible. The entire group was blown away by what happened. And I knew I wanted to include that here on the TLS TV in that day of taping because I wanted everyone to have the chance to do inner voice work as well. So this is going to be a summary of what the takeaways were within the groups that did this live at the event the day of. Now, of course, you can do this as a group yourself. You can do this with a friend, a partner, a group of friends, a group of partners, whatever you would like to do. Feel free to try this with other groups as well and just be playful about it. Different people in different groups in the work and worth had chosen to try it in different ways and different experiences emerged. Some tuned in to one person's question in the group and all the inner voices would then receive information for that one individual on their question like, what do I need to know about my dog's health or my family or this situation or that? So you could try it that way or you could take turns as a group uh, just starting with some kind of question and then tuning into the answer that each person receives or the word each person receives and write those down and see how they all come together. You name it, there's really, truly no way to do this wrong. It's like an abstract piece of art. Just get going with it and see what happens and unfolds as you guys play with it. So feel free to do this on your own as well, but maybe these insights that the group received as well could be useful to you. And then in the second half of the show, we're going to move on to what we also included as a fun aspect of the taping, which was what we call the afterglow. So we wanted to know if anyone had any insights, aha moments, or questions for me that they wanted to share at the end. So it was an optional hour of Q&A. I don't think it's a full hour of recorded content, but we're going to include that here for you. And it turns out a lot of people had a lot of questions for me personally. So I've answered those and addressed anything that came up through the afterglow as well. Let's go to the show. It's a fit that makes it official, I think. All right, doesn't matter where it's airing, it's that thing. That's what makes it real. Okay, so I want to hear how to go. Share who wants to start. I'd love to hear how the group work went. I'm Arielle, and I've been doing um, this work for a while. And um, I'm Heidi, and I'm a total noob to this. I listened to one podcast of Jess's in the car on the way here with my friend Megan, who's been here, who's been involved for a long time. So. A lot of this is super new to me, and so I was asking these two wise women a lot of their insights. So the questions that we came up with, how do you know something is meant to be? And I've never had the questions directed before, but I always have a knowing presence, so I felt the knowing like right here, and I could feel the words, and I could like feel the fluttering. So it was really cool to have it like done. So how do you know something is meant to be? Surrender. What is non-physical? Souls and all that is. Is everything meant to be because there's a higher power or because you decide it's okay? Stillness. And how do you know when it's the right time to act? Surrender until you have the feeling. Beautiful. The mind has very little to do with all that, right? And it's taking up most of our awareness, time, and attention and energy. See why it's scared? It's like running out of a job. But it does get to act. It does get to buy the plane ticket when it's time to buy the plane ticket. 
But then even then, when it's time to buy the plane ticket for me, I'm looking at weird aligned numbers or, you know, like certain like little cues that indicate, oh, this one. Because if it's the same flight time, you know, the, some things can become flexible. So then you're like, well, which one of these flights to buy? That I just like, even then I just kick it up to the, or down to the inner voice and just use other cues. So it's very interesting when you get down to it and you really boil it down. And then even sometimes the stuff, it's like, well, then it, the, the mind gets to drive. But then that becomes subconscious and you don't even have to consciously drive. It's very interesting when you boil down to the nitty gritty. It's usually it knows how to type at that subconscious too. Mm -hmm. If it's choosing what the email says, that sometimes can become the ego versus the inner voice writing. Yeah. So it's so interesting as you really boil down, like when is it time to act or what is the action based on? Because mm -hmm. I do the work, but when I do it, I usually write. And then when I write, it's like long and pages and pages but having it, the question directed towards me. You know, I was just getting one word, two words at a time. Are you finding it was just as powerful with one versus the yes. whole paragraph? Yes. Yeah. Wisdom doesn't, wisdom versus information. Information, stapler, wisdom, scissors, different. They cuts through the crap, literally cuts through, just says what's needed in that moment. Beautiful. Thank you. He's <laughs> trying. I was in uh, group six with Kat, Madison, my wife Sarah, Caitlin, and Lindsay. Thank you, ladies, for letting the newbie join. And um, so, what I noticed. You're 36 episodes in. She's only one. Yeah. So, from doing the work, though, so practicing the work. And what I noticed uh, was uh, I'm a movie reference guy, was uh, Planet of the Apes, where the, uh, the ape acts, asked for permission. And what we noticed in all of our questions was that there was a rhyme and a rhythm to what the other inner voices answered compared to how our inner voice answered. That it wasn't, some of them were identical and most of them were very similar. So in some ways I looked at it as that we're looking for permission to do this when we actually know already inside what the right answer is. That's beautiful. And one of the things I want to just, what you just said, just also to build upon, one of the things you'll notice, especially maybe if anyone else, give me a response if you notice this too. The mind asks, I, you know why I'm so good at that? Because I've done it for 10 years to myself and I've done it for a lot of other people. Do you know what's interesting? It's the same damn answers and it's the same damn questions. It's just like, pick the chew toy. Are we talking about a guy? Are we talking about a relationship or a work thing? Are we talking about a boss? Are we talking a mom? It's the questions the mind has not that different person to person, and the inner voice answers aren't that different person to person. I've yet to find an inner voice that says they don't always exist, or that they're not always love, safe, and okay. I always like to start with those because for the person, it anchors them in, so they're starting to hear answers, and I can get a sense that they're actually hearing because if, if their mind doesn't think they're okay or safe, then I know, all right, we've got some interference here. We're just cells realizing we're part of a body. Does that make sense? Like, this we think is so individuated. Like, this is the only one that exists. And it's like, it's had certain experiences, but like the emotional keyboard it's playing is the same. And that's like saying our heart is so unique compared to others. Yes, there's deviations. Yes, there's, you know, abnormalities to some cells of the human body or the hearts in different bodies, but the functions are rather similar. So we're finding the commonalities within our individuality that the egoic mind perceives. 
it's really interesting. And as we let go of those barriers, the mind creates around our individuality and personality and the mind that will die in 80 to 100 years, we start to see the commonalities and just the love resurfacing and like the boundaries fade. And I don't know what that looks like for a species because we haven't yet got there where it's fully shared by a larger portion of the population. But I want to, what I believe is possible is that groups like this that are doing it wherever they are, because you guys are not up in the Himalayas. Is anyone living in the Himalayas right now? <laughs> no. That this is coming to become the postman and the social worker and the teacher and the lawyer and the meteorologist. This isn't just the sage up in the mountains or the woman living with the cows. We've got it in, I'm in Detroit. Like walking, I don't see nature. I cross a highway to go to WeWork every day now but it's still there. And it's interesting as we bring this to the places we're at, we're lighting up that potential of possibility like we talked with Savannah in the other show for others around us. All right, let's hear the next person. Hi, I'm Megan. Um, and this is the rest of my team 19 here. Um, and so this is the first time that I had done some of the inner voice work with someone actually asking me questions instead of me trying to just grind through and ask myself questions. And so Alex, who is our little spirit guide here, um, <laughs> asked several of us lots of really great questions. And so um, it was really helpful. One of the things I thought was really helpful for me was she was like, all right, what's your one first question? Because I kind of gave her this rambling paragraph of my concerns. Um, so that was a really helpful place for me to start. Um, and then as we went along, um, she was, you know, kind of guiding me through and we really just got down to like, okay, what's really the, just the next step? Like, what do I need to do now? Um, and I felt like that really brought a lot of clarity for me. So, yeah, thank you. Um, I'm Jen and this is my team 21. Um, and so I wanted to just share a little bit about the process because I think like before we broke out, it was like you could do this in a few different ways. And so at least the way that kind of flowed when I did it was like I had my question and then we went around the room and like everyone kind of shared their um, share what their inner voice said but there was one person that like shared something that was different and then I kind of was like okay why don't we just focus on what you're saying kind of almost follow that trail a little bit but after we did that it was almost like it kind of opened up this space for other people to just chime in so at one point it was kind of I don't even, I don't remember if my eyes were closed or not, but it was the kind of thing where it was like other people just following along like a story, almost like a, like a game of telephone, but it didn't start that way. And so it was just interesting to watch that like group dynamic of it like shift around. Beautiful. That's actually what the inspiration for this whole thing said that you guys would build sentences, you guys would start to create a communal connection to what was coming through. So that's awesome that you guys naturally fell into that. I just want to share one other thing that happened that was really cool. Um, so one of the questions um, someone in our group asked was they were having like health problems and they asked, how can I heal my body? Um, and then one of the answers somebody heard was eat apples. And we were just like kind of laughing about that. <gasps> That's what that. I got. <laughs> I've gotten apples before. <laughs> so yeah, we heard eat apples. And then once um, she kind of told us more about like some of her health problems, one of them was acid reflux and then someone else in the group was like apples actually help acid reflux and so it was just like such a funny coincidence but not a coincidence because the inner voice is actually it doesn't usually give tactile specific things but in that instance it did and that was just really cool 
I know. I did that finally <laughs> after years of worrying about my skin, and I heard eat more fruit, apples and pears, and then I said, should I put any other products on? Now, that was a real stretch after 10 years. I was like, is it going to tell me to go to the Sephora? Like, what's it going to do? <laughs> like, go get proactive or something. I don't know. I was like, does it have a brand preference? I don't know what's going to say. And <laughs> it said vinegar, and I was like, well, that's weird. Until months later, one of you lovely people in the audience sent me the medical medium, and I watched him talk about how great vinegar, apple cider vinegar, is as a toner for skin. And I was like, are you kidding me? I'm getting like the lightweight version of medical mediums information from my inner voice before I know he exists? Well, this is funny. I mean, before you mentioned that on your podcast, I had been following the medical medium to heal a lot of my issues. And like because of that, it was that I wasn't the apple person. But because of that, it evolved into this conversation about that being a thing that was also on your podcast. But no, I don't think anyone else realized that that was something that they had listened to before. I was like, no, but this this makes sense, and like these were all the reasons. It's like very synchronistic in terms of like having a conversation about it after before we moved on to the next person. Synchronicity is something that as you guys start to do this, and as you start to tap into this, and you start to listen on the day to day decisions, with where to go, who to meet, what to say, what to do, where to be, all those things, the synchronicity increases as you tap into here because it's got a rhythm and pace that is perfectly crescendoed together to note to note to make a beautiful song for us. It's just when this thing is redirecting the GPS at a million other miles and directions because of its pro and con list versus the knowing that we get out of sync with that synchronicity. Synchronicity, there we go. Syn there, an example of synchronicity. The sync, to be in sync with this versus to be in the mental maze of this. When you get in sync, you see the synchronicities. So just watch that in your life. It's something that you might notice works out truly like, for example, I wanted to go, I'm going to Kenya tomorrow. <laughs> uh, that flowed a few days ago. And I have a flight out of here tonight or tomorrow morning. And it's gonna be literally, it's gonna be like over, I was gonna be at home for like two hours and switch suitcases and go back, but we don't know what the snow situation. Who's sitting in the front row? Two girls from Ann Arbor, Michigan. I'm talking to them. They're like, yeah, we're heading back tonight. So I'm gonna go back tonight instead of actually pushing my luck on the tomorrow flight. Synchronicity. It syncs up. I brought my luggage, too. I, for some reason, I was at the Ace Hotel. I was like, I'm not coming back here. But I had no logical reason to know that, and I was surrendered to coming back. So I wasn't against going back. But I had this feeling there was a preference. It was a preference, not an attachment. And if you guys can notice that, too, let me just share that for the mind. So there's nothing wrong with the mind having a preference. It's experiencing the life, and it would prefer to have a life without physical pain than one with physical pain. Or it can have a preference. But when it has the attachment to the thing, if I was attached to this whole stress story around the snow or whatever, that may have made it so that I might not have talked to those girls. Not deliberately or not in any way. Maybe I would have, or maybe I wouldn't have realized the whole, like, it may not have synced up that way. But I didn't block the desire because I didn't have an attachment. I trusted that I was going to get home fine. Didn't know exactly how, which way that would work, but I knew the inner voice had kept saying I'm going to love Kenya, so I had a feeling that I'm going to get to Kenya somehow. Which way I get home, I'm not sure, but there was this kind of openness to, I don't have to come back to the hotel. I'll bring everything just in case. And then here I am hitching a ride. So. Notice, and you can ask yourself, is my mind attached to its outcome or is it a preference? And a preference doesn't mean that you're going to emote super negatively if it doesn't work out. You're like still surrendered to the other outcomes. You're still open to all possibilities. Even though one kind of feels like it would be the ideal one, 
the emotion won't go like ruined if it doesn't get it. Does that make sense? So you just have compassion when it gets attached to, you know, and it's that chew toy and it's like that, that mind is like chewed the whole stuffing out of the toy, right? And it's like, well, that toy is now busted. Like, that's okay too. But the preference for that toy sometimes leads a little smoother with more options and more possibilities and can get you to the synchronicity quicker. Make sense? Okay. All right, next person. Um, it's actually following up on the synchronicity that um, both of our questions for our inner voices. It was actually not the inner voice talk, but the talk afterwards that um, I had a question related to career and purpose, and she had a question related to uh, family and personal life, and these two lovely ladies actually are the end result of where we're at right now. And I thought that was beautiful. It was just like, kind of how like, what all brought us together. You know, just, we, for some reason, only ended up having four people in our group, and each of these matches just matched so perfectly. And so it just, we flowed. <laughs> How did it feel to see people living the lives you wanted? Easy. You know, she said it was the best thing that happened to her. She said that she was here, you know, at the same place I am a year ago. And how crazy and easy it was. Because you were following your inner voices? Beautiful. <laughs> or not, maybe not. You know, they make it seem how it's, possible. It's nice to know that, right? Yeah. The mind sometimes wants to laser focus on only one possibility, get super attached to that outcome, and it's like, that lamp can't bring me joy. It's got to come from something else that it's laser focused on. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I am used to doing the intuition work on my own and have gotten really comfortable with that. But the one thing I've heard from my intuition that I just haven't been able to explain, and I tried digging in, but haven't really gotten much of an explanation, is I kept hearing harmonize and sing together. And I am not musically talented whatsoever. This is not like a thing that I do on the side at all, ever, <laughs> except when it's reggaeton. Um, but actually, at last night's happy hour, I met someone um, right over there, <laughs> and she was talking about singing, and I just stopped, and I just felt compelled to tell her, like, this might be for you. This thing that I've heard might be a message for you. Um, and so I'm just excited by the possibility that I could be hearing things that might be meant for other people. Um, but I also shared it with our awesome group, Group 16. <laughs> Um, and so I think it resonated a little bit with, with our group in terms of chanting um, and in terms of co-collaborating. So that was my takeaway. Beautiful. Hi, I'm Jen, and we're in the group of Jens. I think we have three Jens in our group. So. <laughs> Um, really awesome. And back to the point on synchronicity, this was something um, that we saw a lot. Um, the questions that we had were kind of around work um, a little bit, and then also that desire to help, right? But then once we got into that helping space, that attraction of a lot of really needy people and not enjoying that so much. So it was um, really awesome to hear from that inner voice um, to really be in that connected aligned space and to really um, shine from that space versus trying to come down um, and really fix people because that's where it just seems so heavy and the mind would get so like I really don't like this um, yeah so that was a, a big cognition and then the other thing that was really powerful uh, one of the gens in our group it was her first time 
uh, doing any of the work. And we, we just asked one question, and you could just feel the resonance of the energy. It was, she was just like, oh. You know, and there's just something so magical when somebody first really recognizes that it is within, always available. So, yeah. Yeah, these, like you guys aren't planted experts that I've secretly put in the studio audience, right? <laughs> this is just a group of people that are interested and drawn to it, mm -hmm. right? You don't have to go shake this out of your Uber driver if they don't want to do it, but this is available. It just takes that ability and willingness to listen with an open mind mm -hmm. and a quietness to breathe out, breathe out, breathe out when the mind's thinking. Yeah. And it doesn't need to be more than a word. And sometimes you got to poke around other questions that aren't the big boulders and blocks to kind of get in a little bit more of a gentle way. Mm -hmm. But yeah. it's there. The answers are within. Always. And instead of Socrates doing the Socratic method with the teacher, the students asking him, like, it was reversed. Yeah. You guys are the Socrates. You guys are the ones asking the, answering the questions. Mm. So powerful, so profound. Thank, Thank you. you for doing what you do. <laughs> it's really easy. I'm just asking questions that I know minds have. It's <laughs> awesome. Hi, my name is Amelia. Um, we're in group one. Um, I just wanted to make a comment about. Um, so my issue is around career, and um, so we all kind of talked to our inner voices to help me with that, and it's just amazing how connected all of our inner voices are, and a lot of things that like have come up for me, but I didn't necessarily say in the group, they brought up and said some of the same words that um, have come up to like for me before, and it's just amazing how like connected we all are, and I've only ever done it with my, like, myself in like a stressful situation, so I'm kind of a newbie at it as well, but it's, it's really cool to see how we're all connected in that way. Yes, and um, we talked about just some different aspects of our lives, and one thing is my child who's very, very important to me. Um, she's dealing with body image issues and self-esteem at this age, and actually you are our sister, Jess, you know, and she listens to you with me, and um, she actually utilized your, your uh, points in a conference we had, a parent-teacher conference, um, where she had to facilitate the conference and lead it, and she was very nervous, and she said, I'm just going to flow with intention. I'm just going to let this unfold. And I was like floored. I'm like, what? <laughs> it, it like really shocked me. I, and it just kind of goes back to uh, Savannah and you were saying about um, just being present and doing you and living authentically and just being available. And my 11-year-old, she sees that. And my intention is just for love for her and to be available. And these guys, these are my sisters too. They help me to you know, tap into that even deeper. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I already, it was weird because I already felt emotion before you even said what was gonna come. For some reason I was like preemptively feeling. She's channeling herself. That's what I'm doing with you. That's why it's so easy. This is the most easy thing in the world. I'm just letting it come through, and that's what she did. She's not letting her mind get in the way. And somehow she knew at 11 to do that. How beautiful. Thank you guys so much. This has been an amazing experience to hear you guys. Now you guys know firsthand, and anyone watching can see, oh my gosh, I can do this with my friends. I can do this with my partner. I can do this with my family. 
I can do this with a group of friends. There's so many possibilities within this. Just keep playing and practicing and working with one another or working with other people you think would be open to this. There are no ends to the possibilities and outcomes that are going to come from this. And it can only amplify and help each other to continue to look inward instead of outward as you have this community and connection with one another. So this has been a huge honor for me. And I just love that as a way of ending and sharing that it doesn't need to um, be the mind that controls the reality of your life, that it can be a part of your life. Like I love the comment someone said earlier in the day in one of our other episodes about the fact that the, the mind is a part of, it's not enough because it's only an aspect of who we are. It is not the complete who we are. And I think that's such a beautiful way of looking at it in a way that allows it to feel that feeling with an understanding there's nothing wrong with it for feeling that feeling and there's not a lack for the fact that it's feeling that feeling. It's just recognizing its own aspect in a greater way of the whole, but it's so far it's just been kind of unclear of what the other parts of the whole are. And today we're weaving it all together and integrating that. And we're learning. What does that look like? How do I live that way? How do I do it when I have two kids that are screaming or when I have a baby on the way or my career feels like it's stuck? We're learning how to integrate the whole together. Thank you so much for doing this with me today. All right, guys, this is just fun Q&A. We can just chat. What do you want to talk about? How you doing? <laughs> Wait, asking me? Yeah. This has been so easy. Like, I like doing this more than I like taking a shower. <laughs> I don't really like showers. It's weird. Weird thing. I, like, this is easier than almost anything I think I've ever done. What did you think it was going to be? I didn't think. Literally, like, even to get, I don't. People go, oh, at C-School, they did the same thing. Are you excited? Are you excited? Everybody's like weeks and months. I'm like, that's not now. I'm not thinking about it. Yesterday was fun. I mean, I saw the girls, and we like got together, and they were giving me chocolate and sparkling water and elderflower, <laughs> and I was like, why am I getting all these gifts? Like, It's like my Christmas or something. It was really sweet and wonderful. But that was when I started thinking about it. I do very little thinking about work unless the team knows this, unless I'm talking to them. They like... No, I don't think about work unless I'm processing with them. How is that for the, how's that going? It's easy. It's working faster. As a team, we're also now, they all know the inner voice thing, so one of us in the mind will ask a question, and one of the other people will often pick up and listen to their inner voice and say, we don't need to worry, her big, we don't need to worry about that right now. That's, (laughs) she's getting really good at it. Like, we don't need to worry about that, or it'll be clear, like, So it's cool because as a team, someone's mind will ask a question and someone else's inner voice will give us an answer. Or if we're doing it with Natalie too, you're doing it. Has there been anything that struck you as like an inner voice, like you just knew to do something? Use your mic. I didn't expect to be put on the spot. Um, What comes to mind in your gut? Coming fresh off Detroit this week, that's like being with you a couple days ago and I'm trying to poach her to this. <laughs> She's wooing me to Motor yeah. City, and it's and it's working. And just, but like sitting in my chest and sitting in my heart, where I feel that, and like, how is that resonating and processing it? And do I need to know now? No. No. Like, but does it feel good? Yes. Is the possibility of that exciting? Yes. And like, just to be at peace with that could be the future, it couldn't. And like, my soul feels excited for it, but I don't need to know the answer. 
Just um, to that point, I've been finding, so one of the reasons I thought I was coming here is career-related. Turns out, <laughs> after listening to Savannah, it's a lot more family-related. But um, in thinking about making career transitions, I've kind of taken a different approach to the career that I have currently, which I enjoy, but it's not like my life's work. And it's a very, so I work for the Senate, it's a very like cut and dry, analytical, logical. And I've been applying all of this work to that, like in front of pretty important people and just kind of saying what my intuition is coming up with. And I have just been blown away. We like are doing a very big policy initiative right now that has been tried and tried and tried. And I kind of suggested, well, maybe we just do it this way, kind of off the cuff, and we have, and it's just kind of spun everything on its head. And I'm like, off mind the blown cuff by is that. another word for I tapped in yeah. to the part <laughs> underneath all of the pre planning and all of the yeah. analyzation. And basically said a piece of legislation doesn't have to look like a piece of legislation, which is like pretty unheard of. To the mind. Because the yeah, mind exactly. repeats exactly. what it's known before. My mind 10 years ago said, I have to do it like Oprah and Martha, so let me go take that path. I ended up having a blog for five years, podcast for five years, and here you guys are. And I don't have to worry about Campbell's Soup and whether they're going to pull the plug because they talk about souls. Right. Which is nice, because why would I want to be able, why would I want to limit what I can say to you based on that? But the people that are the ones that are turning things on their heads are the ones that are doing it off the cuff or doing it from their instinct or their gut. The Teslas, the people that are doing all that information, the, the leaping our evolution forward in any field, they're tapping into here. And then what happens is everybody else gets trained up here to do what they did, but they're doing it up here, so they're just regurgitating mm -hmm. the stuff that some people do here. Everyone else is just rehashing. I mean, look at, I mean, I love it and I do it with design myself, but I mean, when you go to Pinterest, you're not creating anything new. You're just creating that really great kitchen with a million different pieces of inspiration you've seen. And it kind of is a mismatch. It's nice. It's a new recipe from old ingredients, but it's not like Dolly, Salvador Dolly. It's not Frank Lloyd Wright, you know, and which is fine. We don't all have to be the Frank Lloyd Wright of that part of our lives. But the thing is, we all have an aspect of our, this aspect of ourselves that does want to create something, even if it's like Mary and it's comfort or whatever that voice, comfort and concern for people. She's uniquely good at doing that in a way that not many other people are. So it doesn't always have to look at this external career thing. It could be the way you are with people. But there is an aspect of us that is truly creative because we are creators. We're sovereign beings that came here as an aspect of all that is to do that. It's just when the mind's trying to imitate creation, which is just regurgitation, we feel a little stagnant and stuck. So beautiful. That's wonderful that you're yeah, using that in policy. What a better place for there to be inner voice. In right, life. and to see that when I speak from mine, it's like you see a little flicker in other people that you don't think that people are tapped into that, but on some level, everyone must be. Unless their mind's too active, and right. in that case, compassion. Right. Or at least, yeah. Which you, here's a, to the build off that, a little thing to try, if you ever hear your inner voice like want to reply to someone, especially if you want to give someone advice. If you're like, okay, I got this situation with this friend, and I know they need to end it with this guy or whatever, you know, 
Tap into the inner voice and say what you're hearing in there. Don't tell them that's what you're doing. Just right. do it. Like, if you hear something come up and say it and watch how they react to that. As long as their ego's not in a defensive mode. If they're like in a, a feeling uh, defensive, they'll block it. But if they're not and they're kind of open, if you watch how what you hear lands with them, it's going to sink, I notice, it sinks deeper with people than using the mind's story that it's trying to share with them. So just watch it. You'll be like, whoa, that worked. And I didn't, it wasn't as hard. And they took it deeper inwardly. It soaked in. Hi, Jess. Thank you for organizing today. It's been incredible to share energy with everyone. Um, I have a pretty specific question about your dragon phase, um, which some people might need context on. Um, but I felt like I was there this summer um, and got to the point, and I'll just give a little bit of context. You might want to expand on it. But got to the point where I felt like there was nothing left to think about. And not, not in a morbid way, like I wanted to die, but it was it's like, there's the nothing, yeah, like there's nothing else Don't worry if you want to, die. to think about. And it's, it's like, normal. <laughs> it's the new normal. It's not that you should or shouldn't, but it's a very different wanting to die than people at previous stages of consciousness. There yes. is a misery about the world that is too hard, and there is a boredom with the world that you're ready for more. Was that where you were at? It was, it was like an emptiness, like if I can't think about my clothes. I can't think about my relationships. I can't think about my career. If I'm just letting everything come, like why am I here kind of thing. Um, and I feel like I've slipped back into kind of thinking about normal societal structures um, to kind of not freak myself out so much because I was getting really in my head. Um, but so I just wanted to kind of hear a little bit more about how you continue to live like in our society having I know this sounds really crazy, but it's you guys, so it's fine. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, how you continue to live in our society and function. I think thoughts. it's about an openness to what's going to show up. It's interesting you ask that question at this moment, I guess, in a way. Yeah, th so there's people that like can't take the world, it's too hard, and they're really just weighed down with things. And then there's a phase where you're just kind of over this level of reality. I wasn't scared to die. I was, I was jealous and FOMOing about Abraham and like all my buddies that were non-physical because I started to listen. As I was traveling alone for so long, I was alone so much of so many, for so many years that I would listen, because thank God for YouTube, to all these non-physical beings. And I resonated with their point of view of humanity and life and the universe more than the humans I'm around. So now I'm like, wait, I want to go hang out with them. How can I get beyond my mind? Because my mind's not as brilliant as their uh, point of view. And if I got beyond my own mind, I'd be able to feel and experience life from that place. How can I get beyond my own mind? Get out of this body that's stuck to the mind. So that's where the idea came. But then my mind was too smart. It was like, well, my soul put me in this body for whatever reason it did. So I groundhog day this over and over again every time, kill myself, and then the, body, the soul would just go through another body. And I was like, well, I just wouldn't know that I did it four other times. And I'd be in a new body, and I'm like, oh, I'm so bored. And then I'd do it, and the soul, for whatever reason, it's put itself into me. It wants to experience through me. So I was like, all right, I'll just see this one through. Whether I've done it before or not, I don't know. But I'll see what's going to be beyond this. But I just wanted access, access so deeply to realms beyond this. And if I was going to stay alive, I was doing it great. But I just didn't know in the mind how to get outside of itself. It's just an ex existential frustration with the mind for its own identity. 
It's a phase. It does not, I think, last. But now, I trust. There's a, you guys know Morgan Harper Collins? She's a beautiful artist. My dream is to have a community center with a studio for us, if it flows and the universe wants it, in Detroit. And my dream is to have a brick mural of her artwork on the side. And I have a screenshot. You can find her on Instagram. She's beautiful and super high aligned quotes. And one of them she has, and I have it on my screen phone right now. It says, you wouldn't still be here if there wasn't more to your story. And when I think about the ego, I think about, or this mind persona, like enlightenment's going to happen. You can't read books on digestion to poop faster. So I reached that realization. And now I'm just realizing if the ego's still here in its way, there's nothing wrong. The ego hasn't done, it failed. It's just being itself. The mind's still, the, the set point of the awareness is still up, not down. It hasn't flipped. That's like the apple falling from the tree. It will happen probably in this life, I would guess, because of my desire for it. But the desire being attached, not preference, but attached, would also block it right now. So it's not going to happen while it's trying to not be the mind. But because it's chosen that, I do think the mind gets to have a choice for that. But then the rest of the process is like a sole decision of how, when, why, and all that sort of thing. So I think it's probably possible, probably, I can't say inevitable, but probably possible, don't know when, but what I now trust in is that I wouldn't still be here identifying with the mind if there wasn't more to its story. But I'm trying to take its story less seriously. Does that make sense? And I still watch the antics of it, and it feels like in the dragon phase, like all your shit gets stirred up. And it's like, oh, these other people, how are they living their lives? They're just not this stressed, and they aren't this aware. And of their own like mind and the craziness. It's like a echo hall of chamber of mirrors. There's so many reflections as you have all this awareness. I don't know. It's, it's a messy phase. But I think it's a part of the undoing and the, un, the unfolding. So now I'm kind of excited to go to Kenya. And I'm kind of excited about being surrendered to new things. And I kind of cheat a sloth my life. So I have two phases, cheetah and sloth. So I'm either slothing it and doing like nothing. Or it's like I'm doing this and then I go to Kenya tomorrow. And it's learning to take the time to ebb and flow with the universe pace or my soul pacing it and my mind just following along. Someone earlier today said, you know, the, the mind is the one that follows the soul. So I'm learning how to do that while the mind's still actively in its configuration as a persona that doesn't actually exist, but thinks it does. It's like we're all playing characters, we just don't realize it. We've bought into our own characters so much that we're acting to ourselves. And one day we're gonna wake up and go, oh, that's not really me. It's just a pattern of mind stuff that mostly wasn't me either and a set of experiences that this interpreted completely differently than this. How liberating and peaceful. It's a wild game, right? Thinking of yourself as a character and imagining everyone else is playing. It's fun when I watch Modern Family as I got so pulled away from everything. I watched the characters and I was like, these people are playing characters and they don't even realize that the characters, there's like double characters, the actors and the characters. But watching things like that, you can see the personas and go, those are just stories. These people don't have to have that, but they do. And it's okay. And all is well. That's a really long answer. Does that help? Yes. I think the biggest takeaway is that the mind 
is creating stories, and this actually came up in our group too. And I and it's so strange when you actually ask your inner voice, like, is it okay to let go of the story? And I just started sobbing. But when I was watching people today, I'm like, yeah, just let go of the story. You can, right? so easy, just let go of it. And so it's kind of, and you've said this before in your podcast, like putting the mind in front of you and watching the stories and yeah, just kind of accepting that, yeah, that it's or, gonna keep doing that. Or for me watching the pain body, as yeah. I'm feeling, like I literally can feel them like pockets now, where before I could not do that. I would not have any idea what you were speaking about if you were saying this to me a few months ago even, or maybe especially a few years ago, forget it. But now I can feel them and one day I was sitting this week on my bed and I was just feeling all of the pain, physical, energetic pain. It wasn't like a cramp and it can become a physical symptom, but these weren't even physical symptoms. It wasn't even like a shoulder cramp. It was like pockets of energy on top of my body that I could feel. And it finally occurred to me, it's like, this has nothing to do with the current situation. This is like being poked in the present moment about a bruise that was from the past. And it was like, oh my God. So then I would go in between like packing for stuff and then laying on the bed, breathing and feeling into that knot. Because I said at the other meditation I was doing, I was like, had this like uh, first one that I really felt. I was like, oh my God, this is like ayahuasca. It's like, this thing is going to take over and it was terrible. And then I'm going to purge or whatever. And then it went away. And I was like, oh, okay, that didn't last forever. That lasted for like 30 seconds, and then it released. So that was during an intense, like, psychedelic-induced meditation, but that showed me what that felt like. And so since then, in my normal, regular state, I'm now, like, super aware of these. And so I was going into this, like, day where it was like, get ready, feel this pain, and go, oh, God, this isn't even, this is just the mind telling a story about a situation that's not even about this situation, but it's projecting from the past. Let me lay on the bed and feel like right here, this is where it's at. And breathe and bring my awareness into it until I felt calm. And then I would get up, but I would go keep packing. And then the mind would like start, and then it, maybe the pain was somewhere else. And I was like, oh, my God, like it is, other people are doing this shit. This is what I'm dealing with or aware of. And it might be a little bit of, it almost felt like we don't realize it, but who we feel we are, the character we are, the character, the personality, the ego, is like, I'm standing here and I have an imagine, a clear garbage bag that we can't see because it's clear. So it's like, you, it's invisible, but it's there. But let's say it's clear, so we can pretend we see the shininess of it. And it's got these bean bags in different parts of my body. And they're like solid, thicker masses in the clear um, garbage bag. So they're kind of hanging on my body, but I can't see them. We don't normally sense them, but I've started to become aware of it. I, I, this is the pain body, Eckhart. Now I know, because like, I, before I just thought it was a concept. And I'm like, oh my God, it's there. It's like shaking. What I think is happening is that the process, at least I'm experiencing, is like shaking the bean bags out of the, of the garbage bag. And so things keep coming up that are triggering these old wounds, but now I'm starting to recognize they're old wounds, they're not current scenarios that are actually, um, they're just triggering the pain. And if there wasn't pain, there would be no reaction to the situation. So the way you know you've dropped the beanbag is when something like that that would have been a wound before, like the girl with the um, boss that was critical, okay? So we think about her. She'll know that wound is gone when she has a situation with a boss that might have previously thrown her for a loop 
but she's not reacting. She's seeing it for what it is in that moment, and she's not hypersensitive to the reaction the boss has. That's how she knows, oh my gosh, that used to really hurt, and now it's just a situation. It's not uh, attack. It's not a pain that's being, you're not poking the bear. So right now I feel like I'm in this phase where it's just dropping the rocks out of the bag or the bean bags out of the clear garbage bag. But I didn't even know this was even happening. And who we feel like we are, how we know ourselves to be, is along with the set of those bean bags. So also I think is so liberating that once you hear about the people that do get, feel that flip, when the, when the soul drops and the apple falls and the awareness goes down in, they feel liberated because that beanbag pain body, they're not carrying that anymore. And that's part of why they don't know themselves as the identity they once were. Because the identity that they once were, like Savannah's stories, you saw the beanbags as we popped some of the, the pus bubbles, that was part of her story. That's part of how she knew herself. So as you start liberating those things, that makes her less and less Savannah the way she knew herself. And we start to take Savannah less and less seriously the more clear and clean it is. This is what we're going through. Or entering at some point. So if you ever feel this way, I didn't have anyone to tell me this. Eckhart said pain body, but I thought it was a concept, not an actual thing. But if you start to feel these things, just know you're not alone. And if you want to die and you're not actually depressed, just know that that's okay and you don't actually have to do it. It just means you're not fearing death. You're just excited for possibly also the death of the ego. I actually one day was uh, looking at a baby during this phase where my inner voice is like, don't do anything. And I was like, well, what do I do if I don't do anything? I saw a baby. I was like, well, I could just have a baby and then just take care of the baby. And I wanted to think, but I had something to do. And then I had this enlightened lady session with her. And she's like, do you think, Jess, that you're obsessed with death because your part of you is dying and you want to have a baby because a part of you is being born into something new? I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have a baby. Maybe that's what's <laughs> happening. So if you start to feel that type of transition in yourself again, isn't it nice to know? You don't have to go to the Himalayas. You don't have to go do ayahuasca in the jungle. You can just sit where you are in your home and know you're not alone. It's okay. It's just a part of the process of unfolding. It's part of the puberty process. And it doesn't matter whether you're hitting it now or not. If you do at some point, just know it's there. It's okay. So speaking of puberty, um, I feel like it's kind of obvious most of this room is women. Um, and I feel like we're all kind of going through puberty spiritually, um, kind of spiritual puberty, spiritual puberty, <laughs> maybe a step ahead of our um, male counterparts. And so for me, you know, and I've had the privilege of talking to so many women here last night, today, and it's a theme that I feel like a lot of us are like, well, like we have, you know, partners that are open minded, but maybe they're not on our level yet or on the same page yet. They're supportive, but like maybe don't identify with what we're going through. So do you have any advice for us, you know, I guess just in that situation or how we can kind of hold the hand of our male counterparts and kind of bring them into this experience? I say be the generator crystal, like I'm trying to be for you. So clear and clean and amplifying of the strengths of others around you, by not by forcing them, but just by being the light that you are. And not in encroaching and enforcing on them and supporting them and also letting them support you because this can be a really fragile time and sometimes the strength of so 
And also to the point of the male, masculine, feminine. Now, energy is energy. So, like, especially if you look at gender roles and like transgender is a great thing. Like, souls are like bashing down all the rules that humans put on physical um, genitalia, and are like, don't define me by like your energy is energy. And there's a uh, ultimately each soul has equal energy. The soul, especially by the time it's going to get to an enlightened state, has played a lot of roles in both sexes. It's not playing just one side. Younger, yeah, they, from like Journey of Souls or stuff would say there tends to be a tendency, but over time that duality of the energies becomes more balanced as the soul has more experiences. So if you feel like you're like, oh God, I kind of feel like maybe I have too much of one or another, not necessary. Ultimately, you have both equally in the here. It's not looking from any one direction, but here can have a preference. Your personality can have an energy and preference and a strength, and that's fine. It can have a strength. The female body, if we go to the genitalia thing, so energy is energy, so you could be a feminine energy, female or male, doesn't matter. Like Mimi Icon and Alex Icon are a great example of friends of mine that are masculine, female, uh, feminine, male energy. So they're reversed, but they work out beautifully together because they have the polarity with each other, so they're the balancing strengths in the relationship. But the female vessel, as an, a metaphor, for consciousness and the mind. So the mind, we're minds penetrating this universe, right? We're experiencing this universe. We're within the universe and we are the universe. We're kind of like specks in the universe, right? So we're penetrating what the space of everything. This is, we're in the room and we're penetrating the room. We're like little objects in the room. There's the emptiness that is this, and then there is me, which I'm in and penetrating what is ultimately empty otherwise. Let's just use this as a mind analogy. The female vessel is emptiness, the womb. It's empty, and it creates life. Out of nothing comes forth life. The mind penetrates life, so the masculine energy is an analogy, a metaphor for the mind. So the reason that I think that it may be right now that more female or feminine energy, also I will say the straight male is the most elusive um, person that's listening to the show, tried to get a guy on today and failed. But um, I can say that transgender and um, gays, I've got more of that than I have of, unless it's a partner of a female. Yeah. A partner of a female, though, totally does because they have someone that they're aligned with and maybe that's a piece of it. But either way, their dissonance with conscious, their consciousness may be especially if they're in a young, uh, sooner journey of their soul and they haven't had all these like back and forth experiences and all the stuff that's coming into this point, they might not feel the disconnect so strongly. But I think that females being literally, they don't, you're not sitting there thinking about how you're going to create ears for your baby, Emily, right? She's not like, okay, now I got to grow the liver. Like she's not mentally visualizing a liver to have a baby. It's just happening from her. It's coming forth through her. I feel that I too felt growing up in a family of boys, seven, two brothers, seven boy cousins, a business school, sports, and the men's crew team, and a dad that wanted me to be president. I was learning for myself, oh, I gotta be, I gotta get approval through accomplishment. And I hated, and I was miserable doing it, but I wanted the love so bad. But out of that dissonance and that discontent, and maybe you in your own lives, especially as females, in a mind-dominated society, felt that frustration 
for the energy that's just imbalanced to one side, to the mind. And that does not mean you cannot be a man and do the same damn thing. But I think there is a friction that's felt more at this moment. But even Eckhart said, and he said basically the same thing in The Power of Now, but he even says by the end, if it, like whatever culmination or crescendo, he actually said and left it open that men may just like more quickly snap to it. And right now the leading edge is a little more gentle and a little more like uh, quieter, and it's being felt potentially more through females. But he had, did not say it was not going like, to equally hit the same point. It could just be a higher rocket line at a later point in time. And also just think about how many males are not even like taught to emote the same way females have. And emotion's the closest to feeling. And what is this? It's a feeling. It's that you're interpreting feeling into mental words and stuff, but you're really feeling. And if they haven't even been given that practicum to know how to feel a, a mind emotion, that's just happening. It's not right or wrong, but we can have tons of compassion and also recognize we can appreciate the mind's energy in our space as well and appreciate their strength, the, the strength and structure and their stability, if they have it, to allow you as you're going through all of these things too. That's a really long answer. Is that helpful? So helpful. Thanks. It makes me feel really proud to be like part of the warriors of women no, helping okay, to change wait, wait. the mindset. So Why don't we up-level that? We're not at war. Peaceful. The evolution of consciousness. It's not about women, and it's not about war, and it's not about peace, because then that's the duality of war. It's just the constant evolution of life moving forward through the human form right now. It just just like as an example of like, yeah, we don't need to make it the pendulum. We can step out of that paradigm and just be the being we are evolving. Because that's true of everyone. And there you have it. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you, everyone who has put the lively show together. Thank you, Megan. Thank you, Clay. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, VK. Thank you, everybody who's been a part of this. It has been truly a wonderful experience to have TLS TV in our first season run. And I just thank you all for listening or watching if you've also watched on YouTube. If you want to find me on Instagram, Snapchat, or Twitter, you can find me at Jess C, as in Collaboration Lively. And for show notes for this episode, head over to JessLively.com slash TLSTV and then the number four, TLSTV4. Now for where I'm headed to next, I am here in Sydney a while longer, and next week I'll be heading for a quick few days to Brisbane to see a hotel that I have in design-wise been really, really excited to see in person, and then I'll be back in Sydney. Until next week, may something wonderful happen to you today.